If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, all right, all right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. Well, normally, today we uh, aren't streaming on Facebook, but that should be back and at, uh, well, back up and running Tomorrow, apologize for that. You can listen to the program on our, well, on uh, a tune-in station, which I've posted on on Facebook. You can also, there's just some some technical stuff happening here as we're making some some changes and getting back in the swing of things and so forth. But anyway, um, it's good to have you. Hope you had a great Christmas, Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. And it's good to hit the ground running with you here in this first week of 2020. And I want to start today, of course, there's 5,000 things we could talk about. But I want to start today by talking about Iran. I want to talk about Iran. There's some other things I want to get to as well. As you know, we're not quite yet. It'll be sometime here Uh, In January, where we will be extending this program to two hours and we'll be able to cover things, Uh, more things than normal, but I haven't, uh, we're not quite ready to to do that just yet, but we will be making that change here soon. So I'm not sure that I can get to everything I want to. It is a Monday, which of course (laughs) makes it usually a busy day. Coming off of a weekend. On top of that, we're coming off of a holiday week. Actually, two holiday weeks. We only, I, did, I think we did a couple of programs over the past couple of weeks. And we did some much-needed resting and recuperating. Had some fun with the family. Did some things. Had a great holiday here. But anyway, I want to talk about Iran and, and if time permits, some other stuff as well. So as you well know, as you well know, over the uh, course of the past uh, few days, past several days, the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, in Iraq, not Iran, in Iraq, was actually um, well stormed and, and uh, attacked by militia, by, well, you can say it has Iranian fingerprints on it. These are the sorts of things... That Iran is behind and Iran does. 
Actually, I've heard someone say, and I tried to find it before today's program, but I have heard a, I think it was a general, it might have been someone that I interviewed. I'm going back in my memory bank here, and I can't quite place the individual. It might have been someone from Heritage. If it comes to me, I will tell you definitively, but I know I either read this or heard this, that since 9-11, since 9-11, Iran is responsible for the deaths of more U.S. service members than anyone else. Iran is. And you would think we're not even fighting in Iran, right? We're having battles in Afghanistan. We're having, have had battles in Iraq. We've been fighting ISIS in, in places, but not Iran, correct? But we're having, uh, it, it's been reported, it's been said that Iran has killed more U.S. service members since 9-11 than in any other country. And so we have to ask the question, how and why? Well, the how and the why is through proxy wars. And a proxy war is basically when a country, <clears throat> in this case Iran, doesn't want to have a direct head-on war with its enemy, which is us, folks. I mean, look, these are the folks who are chanting death to America in the streets of Tehran and elsewhere, right? And and if you remember, if you remember their um, president, I think it was their president, it might have been um, actually Ayatollah, Khomeini himself, one of the leaders over there, said that, yes, death to America, death to America, of course. Like, yeah, of course, this is common over here. And we have the media. The media tells us that back during the time of Barack Obama anyway, <clears throat> that when these chants were being you know, yelled in the streets of Tehran and elsewhere, that they were actually just for domestic political consumption. This is what the people of Iran we're told they want to hear. This is this is how you, I guess, excite your base over in Iran, how you get people behind you. And, of course, I, I think it's clear that there's a there, – there's a, just like there are in any country, there's a wide swath of, of different types of people. And one of those types of people in Iran is down with those who are chanting death to America. They're, they're good with that. And there's others who don't want – uh, who, who who don't view the United States as the problem? Who view their own military, their own government, and by extension their military and so forth as as the problem? Iran is really the antithesis of the United States of America. Fundamentally, foundationally, it's a theocracy. It's the Islamic Republic of Iran. That's the actual name of the nation. And these folks uh, in Iran. Um, Sharia law is, uh, I mean, it's th there are constitutional protections. I'm not a scholar in the uh, Iran Constitution, but there are constitutional protections. But this government is rooted in Islamic law, and it's not not super friendly to women. It's not super friendly to those who have religious beliefs outside of uh, being Muslim. And so there's, of course, a wide swath of people in that country who, um, you know, some are 
fine with the death to America chance. Some are on board with it. Some are excited about it. Some think that, of course, America is the root of all evil. They call us the great Satan. They call Israel the little Satan. And folks are okay with that. There's other folks in this country that are trying to get their own freedoms. They see that the problem in Iran is Iran's ideology, is Iran's leadership. And of course, as with all countries, there's folks across that spectrum. You know, it's like here. I mean, we, you know, I, we talk about the election here, which that's something else that we're going to have to get to, probably not today. <clears throat> but as we, we're, we're ramping up here, ramping up to this time period where we're going to be looking at the Iowa caucus here in less than a month, folks, less than a month. And when you look at the, the, the domestic political agenda here, when you look at some of the things that are said in certain circles, right? I've got sound bites, and I won't be able to get to them today. I'm almost certain, but AOC, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, out there saying some things about America that are not too flattering. Of course, you have uh, the, the, the socialists in America that are eating up the drivel that you would be here that you would hear at a Bernie Sanders rally, which is where. AOC said some of the stuff that she had said recently, which I don't have time to get to today. But my only point in bringing this up is saying we've got a wide swath of people that believe certain things here in this country. You have folks who are ready to fundamentally change this great nation and move into uh, another direction altogether. Move away from free markets and capitalism, away from the Constitution, towards socialism. People are prepared to do this. It's nutty. I don't understand it. I don't pretend to understand it, though I understand part of it because I understand <laughs> I understand liberalism. I understand uh, the emotion and, and how that's how they're driven to these conclusions. It's, it's an incomplete view. It's an incorrect worldview, but nonetheless, it is it is their worldview. And so you have different factions here. There's, there's some of some of you in this audience. You know, you may not know some of these open, openly socialist individuals, but you know that they're out there, but they couldn't be further from you ideologically. They couldn't have a more different worldview from you than, than what they have. And so the same is true, same is true in Iran, but there are folks who are on board with the death to America chance. There are others who are not, but that's who this country is, and they've been fighting proxy wars against the United States of America because they don't want to face us directly. Uh, they're not – like I know that there's there's folks out there that make all sort of dire predictions about war with Iran. Heck, you've even seen people already. I've seen on, on social media. I've seen articles uh, trending about the draft. People are worried about suddenly being drafted. People think that Trump's going to send us into World War III with Iran, and there's going to be a draft that's been that'll be implemented, and folks are going to be drafted to fight this battle. That's how far down this path some folks have have gone. But Iran, that's not necessarily what either side what either side wants here. Iran was content at the time to fight these indirect wars with the United States through their through their proxies. And these proxies would be oftentimes terrorist organizations, Hezbollah, Hamas, others that they would use to 
fight the United States uh, in places like Iraq, like Afghanistan. They would supply, uh, they, they would fund these organizations. And this is why, incidentally, that Iran is listed as a state sponsor of terrorism. And so that's the backdrop. I don't have time to go through all the history, of course. We can't go back to the Iranian Revolution back in the late 70s. We can't go back to the hostages that were taken under the Carter administration. We can't go back to all of the stuff that happened there. We can't go back and talk about how hours after Ronald Reagan was inaugurated in 1981, 444 days, I believe is what it was, how long these folks in Iran, our folks, were taken hostage, paraded about with blindfolds on, hands tied behind their back, all sorts of things like that. That stuff had been going on under Carter, and without within hours of Reagan being inaugurated in January, I think it was January 20th of 1981, the hostages were released. There was kind of a negotiated settlement there. Anyway, this, this has deep roots, right? Iran is, has, has long been at, at odds with the United States of America. This isn't something that was caused by President Trump. This isn't something that was caused by Barack Obama, although I would postulate, I would suggest that the Iran nuke deal was not a good step, was not something that was wise to, to do. I mean, anytime you have a country that you don't want having nuclear weapons, and at the end of the, the agreement, they have the possibility, the capability of creating said weapons. That's not a good idea. When they get hundreds of billions of dollars in cash, it's not a good idea. Of course, we're told it's just coincidence and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is this is, runs deeper than even the past administration, though the past administration had certainly done things to uh, show American weakness. I've said on this program for a long time, I haven't said it in a while, but I've said it for some time that American weakness is what's provocative. Folks are worried about uh, you know, Trump starting World War III, but when we go through and look at what's been happening, I mean, they've been they've they had been starting this for some time, and the most provocative thing the United States can do, especially when dealing with a nation like Iran, with some of these radical, unhinged, unstable leaders. That's that's where, by the way, the real instability comes from. The real uh, danger comes from. It's not President Donald J. Trump. It's the Iranian leadership, and so now folks are saying that Trump, of course, has thrown a match into this tinderbox. But the truth is, the truth is that we've allowed this to fester for some time. And when U.S. deaths are the result of the things that are happening, and when you can point the finger at certain individuals, which we'll get to in the next, the next segment with this General Soleimani, when you can do those things, and you have the opportunity, and I understand, I understand there's a, a counter-argument to this, but when you understand that the war that folks are fearing happening, which is wide-scale, you know, in the trenches, you know, tanks and direct conflict with Iran, the truth is there has been a form of conflict with Iran for some time. 
there has been a form of conflict that's been taking the war, uh, the, the, the shape of proxy wars, and that we have been experiencing casualties because of that. And a responsible leader, would he not, would she not, intervene to do something to stop that? And that's where we're going to pick up in the next segment. But I've got to take a time out here. You're listening to the Home of Conservative, Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. By the way, great to be back. Thanks for listening to me back here in just a minute. So, I've been talking about Iran today. So let's assume, let's assume for a moment that you are president of the United States. Congratulations. You probably just stole the election from the next Democrat candidate. You probably partnered with, I don't know, take your pick, Ukraine, Russia, some foreign government. You're probably being harassed on a daily, maybe hourly basis by the media, how you colluded and conspired with a foreign government, a foreign power to steal the election from the rightful winner of the presidential campaign, which of course could not have been you, assuming you're a Republican, by the way. If you're a Democrat, then you don't have to worry about any of these things. The media will do its job in making sure that you uh, have your period of a honeymoon, your first, uh, your first 100 days in office. They'll do puff pieces on you, and they'll do puff pieces on your family. Maybe if you've got a good jump shot, they'll talk about that. Whatever it is, if you can play the saxophone, they'll be enamored by that for a while. But nonetheless, I'm assuming that most of you would not be Democrats, whether you're an independent Republican or some other third party or whatever the case may be. You're you're probably not going to be adored by the the media. So you're probably going to be facing some criticism, especially if your agenda is one of conservatism. So let's assume that you are president of the United States, and of course you have your inauguration. You'll probably not tweet about the size of your inauguration. You probably won't compare it to the size of Trump's inauguration or Obama's. But nonetheless, you go through this, uh, the, the, the process of being of becoming president, you're, you're getting briefed, you're told about lots of different things, and one of the things you're told about is Iran. You're told about their daily activities to destabilize a region. You're taught, you're, you're, you're told, you're given information and intelligence that is even worse. Look, we don't know all the stuff, right? I mean, this is part of... Uh, part of our system of government, and, and it's good. I mean that all this certain information can't be can't be public. Some of this stuff has to be uh, secret, top secret. The president getting briefings in the Oval Office and so forth. And so this information is obviously worse than what we expect or know now. And you, you're you're seeing the threats. You're seeing the U.S. Embassy uh, in Baghdad. Under under assault, and of course you immediately think back to Benghazi and everything that was done there. And of course, comparisons have been made to Benghazi, but the reality is, the reality is that Trump's response to Benghazi was about as opposite 
from Obama's response to Benghazi as you could possibly get. Trump didn't wait 13 hours or whatever the amount of time was. Trump didn't Trump didn't say that the folks who were going to to help the the folks on the ground wouldn't be able to get there in time. He just sent them. And he sent a lot. And support got there and they solidified things and of course there's been a couple of eruptions since that initial day of of assault but nonetheless nonetheless the comparison to Benghazi the only comparison is is that it's a similar situation where there's a an unstable region an unstable country around the world where there are people in that country that hate the United States um, that are uh, some of them have a certain percentage anyway have a connection to or even maybe an affinity for terrorism. They support some of these radical groups. But the way that the response uh, was was made to Benghazi was nothing. <laughs> the lack of response there was nothing in comparison to what we saw in Baghdad. So, so you see this. You see who's behind this. You see who's kind of helping facilitate this, inspire this, uh, maybe probably even who's you know funding or supplying weapons to the folks in these groups. You look around, you see th- those same individuals uh, under the, the leadership of this general Soleimani, right? They, you can see uh, the, 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 the folks who... I went to the embassy in Baghdad. You can look around and see other terrorist organizations like Hamas and Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, other groups that are tied to him. And you can look around the the region and you can see nations like Yemen and you can see the problems that Iran is causing there. You can see Iran threatening the uh, our best ally in the region, Israel. They promised to wipe them off the face of the planet. You see, you you remember that not too long ago they shot down a drone, a U.S. drone, which they said was in their in their airspace. You remember not too long ago that they captured U.S. sailors under the administration of Barack Obama, held them for whatever it was, twenty four. I don't know how long it was. It wasn't terribly long, except for if you were one of those individuals that probably felt like an eternity, understandably so. And so you look back, and this is some of the instances, right? You're getting briefings. You're hearing things that they're saying. You're seeing things that they're doing behind the scenes, things that the rest of us don't know about, that we can't know about. And so you you hear these things, you see who's involved, and you realize you have a chance to take this individual out and you're the president of the united states and you think that allowing this individual to continue in his activities is dangerous to the safety of american lives the service men and women around this country in particular those in the middle east and you've got this information in hand and you know where this guy is you know uh, he's involved in these things, and you decide to to take a shot, which is well within your rights as President of the United States, 
right? You are the commander-in-chief. Of course, there's a role for Congress if we declare war, but the president can take tactical actions like this. And whether he should or shouldn't is another discussion, but I think when you look at it through that lens, it's at least... It's at least something we should understand, right? I mean, someone might say, I mean, that's a bold move. I've seen these comparisons, right? They compare. They say, hey, this is like Iran taking out our attorney general or or our um, secretary of state or some such thing. No, no. You know what? It's not. It's not the same. Now, maybe maybe in the sense of their role – uh, in their own particular nation. Maybe there's some some degree of similarity there. But what is not the same are the types of things that their side, this General Soleimani, has been doing versus what our folks are doing. You know, this is not a morally equivalent situation here. We don't have, uh, of course, nobody on earth is perfect, right? That that's I don't mean to imply that, but to say that to say that Iran's behavior is morally equivalent to that of the United States of America, my friends, is something that I reject completely out of hand, 100%. That is not true. I think that there's obviously perspectives, and it would serve us well to understand certain perspectives, not to capitulate or to become weak or to... You know, give up our interest, or to you know do something silly or weak like that. But to understand what's what's maybe causing this, to understand what we're dealing with. But the idea, the idea that we're morally equivalent uh, with with Soleimani is insane. It's truly insane to me. Anyway, I got to pause here, take a time out. When we get back, more about this, more about this. But I've got to. Got to take a break here and uh, appreciate, again, appreciate you listening to the program and uh, we'll continue this conversation when we get back. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Been talking about Iran today. If you're just joining us, of course, by the way, I should mention this. I know that uh, there's folks um, in this audience that maybe, well, I know, that listen to the podcast. Uh, There's folks in this audience who don't really know what a podcast is, and that's okay. Uh, Really, the way that I use it, the way that we use the podcast is we make this show available to folks on podcast outlets, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, lots of places. Tune in. These are places that you can go online and with your phone, and you can actually set it up to where you subscribe. And it's free to do this. It's free to do this. And you can get it uh, sent to your phone every day. I think we normally have those, uh, I'd have to double check but by by 9 a.m everything's posted if not even a little bit earlier so anyway it's not not too difficult to do that so if you'd like to listen to the full episode you can do that or you know what you can also sign up to receive the uh the 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 episode by email 
which we have folks that do that as well. If the uh, by about 9 a.m. each morning, you'll get an email with the show if you want to listen to the full program. But nonetheless, we've been talking about Iran today, right? The the strikes in um, you know, that that took out General Soleimani, and of course, the rationale behind it, right? Iran is not is not a saint. Iran and their behavior is not morally equivalent to that of the United States of America. It's not the case at all. And that's kind of what we're being, uh, to some degree, subjected to in the media. right? Iran is, Iran is just not, it's, it's, again, the antithesis of the United States of America. The United States of America was founded upon uh, issues that were uh, rooted in liberty, the right of the individual, religious liberty in particular, the Islamic Republic of Iran, not so much. And so there's a natural conflict, but just because there's a natural tension and conflict doesn't mean there has to be physical conflict and war. But when you understand understand the threat that one poses, the, the threat that the ideology of Iran poses to liberty, especially when they've made it clear what their intentions are, Right, this whole thing about the Iran nuke deal should not be overlooked in this particular scenario because Iran has made it clear that when they get a nuclear weapon, God forbid, if they get a nuclear weapon, they tell us that they're going to wipe Israel off the face of the planet. Right? I mean, this is this is something um, that should be taken quite seriously. These are not. Uh, you know, Boy Scouts. These are not people who have, uh, you know, th- these are bad characters. And again, when you can isolate and identify a character who's responsible for deaths of American military personnel, American citizens, and you know that they're planning to do more when they're behind the assault that took place on the Baghdad embassy, when you can point to those things and see those things, and then you can find a way to take out that target, it's at least understandable why a responsible leader would look at that and say, let's do this. Right now, of course, the media is saying that Trump's doing this to start a war with Iran because that's the only way he's going to win. Win the election is by starting a war. Of course, they've gone back to tweets that Trump sent out back in 2011 when he was warning Americans that Barack Obama was going to be starting a war with Iran because he did not know how to negotiate. He did not know how to deal with Iran, and as a result, that that war would help him win re-election. Trump tweeted similar things back in uh, 2011, I believe, maybe 2012. Anyway, I mean, there's... You can certainly draw similar. There's certainly similarities, right? I mean, we're talking about the same country as we talk, as he talked about with with Obama, but but the the details are are different. Obama never negotiated from a position of strength. Trump never negotiates from a position of weakness. Trump talks about America first. Obama talked about. America leading from behind, whatever in the world that's supposed to mean. I've never been able to wrap my head around that, leading from behind. 
Anyway, so again, on on the surface, these things can be compared, but when you when you look at the depth of them, when you look at you know what's what's going on, when you look at the the details, the actions that are taking place are not motivated by the same thing. They're not. They don't have the same objective. They don't have. I mean, Again, this this whole thing with Obama's dealing with Iran, in my estimation, caused – again, I, w- I want to make sure it's clear. He didn't cause problems with Iran to exist. I think he's made them worse, Obama did. But nonetheless, that's that's where we are today here as we, as we look at this. And now, of course, they're saying that Trump's trying to start a war. We've got people talking about the draft being reinstated, and of course the media is off and running – off and running with this. On top of that, we've got Iran threatening to retaliate. We've got Trump saying we've got 52 locations of our own picked out. If you retaliate, we're going to go after 52 because that's how many hostages you took years ago. Of course, that's that's back in the 1970s. I referenced that, alluded to that at the top of the program during the Iranian Revolution, which, again, we don't have time to get into in detail because of the – well. There's just a lot of information to go through <clears throat> if we're going to go that far back. And I think it's it's good for him to to symbolically tie it to that because really this has been festering since since that period of time. This has been growing and developing since that period of time. And, and there's been periods of higher and lower tension. But the truth is, the truth is Iran – Iran has been a, an enemy of the United States um, for a long time, ideologically. And they are extremists, those who are in positions of power. They are extremists, and they're prepared to take all sorts of actions, up to and including supporting terrorist groups. And we've got a state sponsor of terrorism here. I know there's some here in the United States, radical leftists that say the United States is a state a state sponsor of terrorism, of course, right? That's what they say about us, having a hard time seeing uh, the, the, the clear association between Iran and terrorist groups, but instead finding that there's, you know, the United States um, is involved in their estimation in, in terrorism. I've seen people post a map that shows Iran and all the U.S. bases and in the region that are outside of Iran, but more or less encircling Iran. And they say, look, this is um, – Iran is not the aggressor here. That's just absolutely false. The reason we're there are because – largely because of Iran. Not completely, but if not Iran, other groups that share a common, a similar ideology, a similar worldview, similar – belief in the case of, say, ISIS and Sharia law. And so it's, a, it's an unstable region because of Iran, not because of the United States of America. Ask yourself this. If, the, if Iran had the weaponry, the technological advancements that the United States had, and the United States was metaphorically, or in this particular case, like Iran, would there be a United States? And that question's asked when comparing the Palestinians and the and the Israelis, right, if, if the Palestinians had the weaponry and the technological advancements that the Israelis had, would there be, would there be an Israel? 
if the roles were reversed? Likewise, would there be a United States if the roles were reversed? Maybe not the roles, but the power, the amount of power, military might was reversed. Would there be a United States of America? And the answer is probably no, right? If we were if we were Iran and they were like us as far as power is concerned and military might. And that's really should tell you all that you need to know. We're there not to destabilize the region, trying to bring instead stability, peace, although that's a uh, <laughs> impossibility. Diffi- I mean, incredibly difficult, given all the historical factors there and so forth. But anyhow, I've got to take a break. Long in this segment, you're listening to the Home of Conservative, Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. You know, the Heritage Foundation, if I can pull this up here, the Heritage Foundation has actually – check my time here. I got behind last segment. Yeah, I don't have a lot of time here. But the Heritage Foundation has uh, given us a little bit of perspective, perspective, takeaways, if you will, from what's going on in Iran. This is James Phillips, senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He's a senior research fellow for Mid-Eastern, uh, Middle Eastern Affairs at Heritage, and he's listed three key takeaways. I'm going to post this article to Facebook as well. Number one, Soleimani was the master, mastermind behind Iran's low-intensity warfare and terrorist campaign against the U.S. and its allies for many years. Number two, Soleimani's death is a huge loss for Iran's regime and its Iraqi proxies. It is also a major operational and psychological victory for the United States. Number three, the conflict with Iran will continue, but the rules of the game are shifting. He talks about that, the rules of the game shifting here in this article. And essentially, what he's saying is, is that the United States will no longer tolerate the stuff that's been happening from Iran. Right? They'll no longer deal uh, with these proxies, or they'll, they'll no longer overlook this as though it's, it's no big deal at all. So anyway... Um, Got to take a break. Simply out of time. You're listening to the Home of Conservative, not Bitter Talk. It's good to be back from holiday, from the vacation, Christmas, and New Year. Be back here after the break in just a minute. Welcome back. Just have a few moments here left. I'm looking... At a report I seen on on Fox here this morning, Trump was on Air Force One, and apparently the media, some in the media, are concerned. Trump says if Iran responds, he's going to retaliate. He's going to target some traditional, well, some sites within Iran, and some of those might have cultural historical value, and that of course has upset the media. It's crazy to me. You look at the, I mean, we we have people, people in our military. People that are dying, and, and they're worried about historical or cultural sites. Trump says this. He says, they're allowed to kill our people. They're allowed to torture and maim our people. They're allowed to use roadside bombs and blow up our people. And we're not allowed to test their cultural site. doesn't work that way, says Trump. But anyway, there's the music telling me it's time to go, guys. As always, appreciate you listening. Have a great day. SDGC tomorrow. Take care. <laughs> 